Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hello, Olivia. How the heck are you doing? I am good on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. We delayed our recording today because of... Type Weekend, which if you don't know is uh, very large and pretty unique and interesting online conference for all things typography that is happening as we speak starting on thursday going to sunday and there's what like 80 speakers yeah it's something nuts there's a lot of people involved a lot of coordination considering that the people that started this just wanted to have a conference that was like about accessible type in a global perspective done by a really small nimble team that we're friends with so it's kind of this crazy big like undertaking and it's just been growing. I feel like they've gotten more speakers like throughout the <laughs> month too. I don't know, but it's been really exciting so far. I was listening to the morning talks. If you're, you know, on Eastern time for me, I think talks start around 830 and then end around five. And then, you know, according to whatever time zone you are, I think they try to make, if there's talks from your region of the world, I think they try to make them so their time zone's not difficult to access those. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize they were doing that. Yeah. So I think today what I've listened to, it seems there is quite a bit of like North America and, you know, Latin America, and then maybe at different time zones, they move around to Asia and stuff like that. So that's neat. That's cool. I I haven't been able to tune into all of them, but I've tuned into a few and they were very diverse so far, which is generally interesting. I've been following the conversations happening during the talks. You know, you, people that are watching the talks can ask questions. And they've just been, like, really dynamic, really positive. I think people, like, it's the most positive thing that to come out of this week for me here in the U.S. every day. Is it going to be The Handmaid's Tale tomorrow? I don't know. Yeah, we're not, we're not getting into all that. When is your talk? Because you are also a speaker for Type Weekend. When's yours? I am a speaker. Um, my talk, I'm speaking on behalf of the League of Movable Types. So if you like the League, my talk's on Saturday. For my time, um, which is Eastern, that is at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I'll be talking about design history and type history and kind of the obscure things I've uncovered working on the podcast. Which is really fun. And the people who have gotten a sneak preview of your talk loved your talk. Okay, if you say so. I have insider information. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah, and I think a lot of like organizations have gotten involved. I know this morning they had to talk about the Alphabets mentorship program, which has mm-hmm. done wonders for anyone that loves letter forms. And even FemType, I think, is going to be talking in the next few days. And there are more recent organizations that celebrate women in type. So I'm just really excited to kind of see what everything brings. If you missed the talks, which I've already missed some that I wanted to see, they're going to be available on YouTube, I think, after the conference. That's great. That's super cool. So, Micah. Are you ready? (laughs) I think so. We have a handful of links this week, mostly centered around some version of font licensing because that's been the theme for the last few weeks. And, you know, that is the theme because we have been finishing up our book, which we've been teasing now for weeks. Olivia is typesetting it, which I'm excited to see. And that means, you know, fairly soon we're going to be able to release it. So we were, you know, trying to find useful information to share around the very crazy and sometimes scary world of font licenses. And that's kind of a tease of what our nerd alert is this week, right? 
I'm really excited about our nerd alert. As you might see from the episode artwork, it's all about licensing horror stories. So, you know, get your fire going and gather around while we roast some s'mores and tell some scary stories about font licensing. There's some scary ones out there. Everybody says that font licensing is important and it's not an exciting topic, but it's a topic where some companies, some designers have gotten burned in the past and we do not want that to happen to any of you wonderful nerds out there. So that is kind of the motivation behind sharing all of this so that you can be more educated and make wise decisions as you are working on design stuff. Totally. I think it's going to you know, be very enlightening and I'm really excited to chat about it. So our first article is, is related to that as well. It's from Design Shack, and it is, what is a font license? I love this image they have for this article. It's a <laughs> bunch of license plates. So it's a nice visual pun. One of them literally says fonts. Oh, yeah. Somebody had a custom license plate that says fonts. <laughs> love a good novelty plate. So basically, this is kind of an overview of all the different kinds of font licenses when you need to like really pay extra attention, you know, depending if you're using a web font or desktop and print licensing. It's just a really great overview. I especially love the shout out to the League of Movable Type at the end. Yeah, that is that is a great shout out. And it's actually referencing the first version of the book that we were just talking about, which is cool because the book will be named the same thing. So it will be relevant once we launch the next one. Totally. And there's other there's other links there to other font licensing resources especially to specific resources from different boundaries. Because again, there's not like one size fits all for licensing. I think that's important to understand is that your license depends on who you're buying it from. Every foundry kind of has their own rules, which is sometimes why it makes it such a complicated process. But you know, this is a nice little layout of everything that you should like kind of be looking for and be concerned about when you uh, get a font. A good old fashioned overview. Lovely, lovely. Our next article... I'm excited about this one. It's from It's Nice That. And it says, The Pite Foundry on the power of type design to fiddle with the subconscious of the reader. Fun title. I love it when we can like think about just like existentialness and type design. That's a good, that's always fun. The Pite Foundry, if anyone's wondering, it's spelled P-Y-T. E. It's mostly just an interview with Elmer Stefan who um, is the lead designer and sole employee of the Foundry. So he talks about kind of the vision of the Foundry and a lot of the fonts are revivals and are based on historical material that might not be trendy or popular, but he finds to have, you know, a certain gravitas to them and carry a unique perspective, honestly. And so he kind of talks about his process and what inspires him. And then there's a nice sneak peek at the letter forms in it. They remind me a lot of any sort of Victorian type era. So it's kind of wacky. And I think he brings the wackiness to a more sophisticated sphere where it doesn't feel clunky and has a lot of energy to it. And I know we mentioned this foundry recently when we talked about a rebrand from a theater that was up the Hudson River, but like a really well done typographic rebrand use the typefaces from this foundry. I remember that being interesting. We sort of had the same reaction of like, oh, this rebrand is very quirky, but sophisticated, but weird, but well done. We had kind yeah. of a similar reaction to the whole branding. It's certainly like really unique. And I don't think there's foundries that 
are focusing on revivals of this specific era so much. And it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see people kind of breaking out of the trends and being like, hey, I know this isn't going to be the next Gotham, but I still think it's worth making and giving to the world. There were a couple book references in the middle of this article. One mm-hmm. being Garrett Nordzai's The Stroke, which we used to reference in the newsletter quite a lot because that's the grandfather of how to draw letters by hand and a unique way of doing that. And then there's two others that I was not familiar with in that paragraph too, Counterpunch and American Wood Type. So it's kind of interesting. Like I'm going to have to look those two up. I didn't know those two. Yeah, I think something interesting he says about American Wood Type it sharpened his awareness on the interdependency of material and aesthetics. Hmm. That's like definitely, it feels inherent to the article we were um, talking about from Klim Type Foundry, talking about how the material now is Bezier curves and how does that influence the aesthetics. This gets Hmm. getting a little heady, but I think it's actually kind of a nice. Yeah, totally. All right. So in the non-heady sphere of the typographic <laughs> work. This next one um, is really funny to me. Yeah, I love this kind of stuff. It is um, from Creative Block, and it is Comic Sans on Instagram is the update nobody asked for. <laughs> Such a good title. That real me is. So true. I mean, I saw Comic Sans show up on my Instagram, and I was like, why? There's only like <laughs> 10 fonts we can choose from. Why does one of them have to be Comic Sans right now? I really hate the fonts that they have chosen. Almost all of the fonts. Me too. I have such a hard time even choosing one because I'm like, this is kind of the closest to maybe what I would type in. Maybe. That is how I feel all the time. You know what this is, though? We're living in the Zoomer world, like the Gen Z postmodern postmodern. You know what I mean? I guess. Yes, I know. I just, so many people just use this like all caps, din looking font. That just is so, it just makes me so mad. It makes me almost more mad than if I see it's just so illegible. It doesn't have like, it's so like devoid of personality and it's so hard to read. And I just feel like it's so aggressive. Anyways, I mean, Comic Sans, you love it or you hate it. Most people hate it. I just love the tweets that are referenced in this article. It's just a funny article. Someone being like, good afternoon to everybody, except the person that decided it was a good idea to add Comic Sans to Instagram. And then a picture of Googling, can you be allergic to a font? Yeah, no, there's definitely gathers all the reaction to uh, Comic Sans, which (laughs) is almost, you know, funnier than I also really love how passionately people hate Comic Sans. Like, I, in it's this so context, ridiculous. I agree. It's not an awesome choice. Like it's, I don't love the fonts that they've chosen, but it's hilarious to me how much people are willing to die on that hill. I know. Wait, Micah, what font is your go-to on Instagram stories? You don't post many stories, do you? I, yeah, when I'm on Instagram, I'm just a photographer, so I don't, oh. I don't really like share text on Instagram often. Actually, no, there was a while that I was using it, and they had like a, they had like an italic helvetica bold and that's what i use which that's me anyway like my personal branding was helvetica for like 10 years yeah that and then that makes sense i remember that my go-to for the longest time all i used was typewriter until Mm. the new sets came out which is you know no surprising not like exactly like not my go-to if i had choices but the best (laughs) of what i was given now with the new ones i typically go i think yeah there's like a modern kind of like Dito Baskerville 
Mm. that I'll use for longer texts. Not my favorite, not very legible. Just give me a good workhorse. Like I'd be happy. And then for shorter texts, I think there's like this like Futura italic black type one that's out there. It's like really chunky and bold <laughs> and looks terrible with anything more than five words. But I think that works. might be some of the design decision behind that is, hey, we don't want you posting paragraphs to stories. There you so go. Let's make stuff that looks illegible. You're probably right. Wow. Weird. You're so right. You have the mind of a product designer, <laughs> of a digital product designer. Uh, oh, anyway, that's a fun article. Yeah, no, it'll be good. And you can share it with all your friends who know you as the font nerd. It's time to take a break and say thank you to Adobe for helping to sponsor this week's episode. Their suite is one of the standards of design software and comes with a subscription to like a giant library of fonts that you can install. We've even got a few of our fonts in their library as well, if you're looking for those. And uh, we are grateful for supporting the community with us. And thanks to our members. Um, we've got a wonderful membership where you get awesome extra resources in our weekly typographic emails every week. Cool fonts that we found that you might want to add to your arsenal, jobs or gigs you might be interested in. Um, it's only $5 a month and we're upgrading a bunch soon. So hop in now if you want to get those goodies next week. Love it. Um, so the next one's also from It's Nice That and it's Dynamo gets a revamp and releases two new font families, ABC Maxi and ABC Diatype. So Dynamo is a foundry. It's a Swiss type foundry. So they're from like the OG San Serif land. <laughs> um, and so this article talks about their new releases. One of them I love is described as a warm hearted grotesque. And the other one is described as what was it? Heavily engineered yet warm and witty type system of spaghetti movements and angular lines. Yeah. What the heck does that mean? I love when I see spaghetti in my uh, type design <laughs> description. You're just hungry. <laughs> I was I was eating noodles like half an hour ago. <laughs> um, so it talks about, you know, like the foundry. And I think it also brings to light their new design of their website, which they're proud to launch. They have this really nice, actually, interface for selecting your licenses that mm. they show in this article, which is smart. Speaking of trying to make licensing more accessible, I thought that was like pretty nicely designed their website's like a little bit art schooly you know what we mean you know what we mean but hey i think there's also just like some elegant very swiss style type in here as well yeah okay i mean that's true it's true i just i don't understand why so many type foundries love to be this weird i just yeah. don't get it yeah I mean, that's a fair analysis. Like, I don't know. I can get behind the diatype because that is kind of what you were describing of just like a like a workhorse. I could mm -hmm. see that being in use somewhere. And then the other one, Maxi, it's just like, what what era is this from? Where would I it, use this? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like the Emigre fonts, which were like the experimental 90s fonts. Yeah. That came out. yeah the yeah. 90s weren't cool. I'm sorry. I mean... Dynamo, you know, this isn't supposed to be a giant knock. I'm just saying I don't understand the market sometimes. Yeah, you know? that, I guess that, yeah, I believe that to be true for me as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe maybe the thought is just, hey, wanted to make this. This was a cool idea. We felt like it. Why not? In which case, sure. But also, I don't know, fonts are the thing that are for sale that you buy. 
And so that's when I sometimes struggle when I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting huge 90s vibes from Maxi. I'm even on their like specific page on their website. And it's like this extremely pink, pink and orange, orange. It's like yeah. 90s Barbie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to grunt that. You're about. like, I didn't mean to say any of these things I'm saying, but oh my God, gutturally, <laughs> I cannot ignore them. Response to this. I appreciate what you're doing, but I really can't handle it. But definitely, you know, it's worth checking out, worth seeing what we're talking about, worth seeing it just to see what Mike is reacting to. <laughs> That's what is all I have to say. Okay. And so moving right along, we have an article about seven fun facts about the history of typography. And these fun facts are actually taken after this blogger, Eva Shafroff. Eva Shafroff. Eva Scoffroff. I'm leaving all of this in. Okay, Eva is saying she had just finished Just My Type by Simon Garfield, which is, I have to say, one of my favorite books about typography. I've read it more than once. It's on my bookshelf. I'm in love with it. And there's just really good information about typographic history. It's super accessible. It's, like, incredibly fun. And so she kind of talks about her favorite stories, including the Comic Sans story about how (laughs) Vincent Conair created Comic Sans because we can't escape it today, Um, how it was originally created for a software for Microsoft, and he did not plan on it to be on every computer ever. That's (laughs) always interesting to hear about and you know it gives a history of mrs eves which i've touched on in our baskerville episode who was the lover of mr john baskerville Mm. and later was the reason we have seen his fonts in the world is because she kept them alive and you're talking about pirating of typefaces they go into some stories which we're getting into more stories later today and just some you know trivial facts that i always tell my friends that don't know much about type and a fun fact yeah what's cool about this it's a fun paragraph on each of these tiny things but there's a lot of links to investigate any of those that you might be interested in you know and since the general theme here is font licensing the one that really stuck out is the stories on pirating which yeah that's just a word i don't hear that much anymore right i don't know what that means but like it's still a thing like what does pirate bay look like right now Literally the oh, same. Yeah. They have not changed their design. Really? I mean, yeah. I'm told. Who would yeah. even know? <laughs> Who knows? You were just so immediately like relaxed and like, yeah, it's just no <laughs> No, I'm I'm fascinated by Pirate Bay and the story behind that. We should do uh, that's not even applicable to a nerd alert, but I would totally do one about that someday. Yeah, I would I wanna hear it. I think if you want to hear it too, let us know. I can't be the only one. <laughs> okay, and our second to last article is Font licensing for bloggers, simple digestible overview of all the different fonts out there. I think it's written by a blogger and has some more nuanced conversations about licensing for like the everyday person not necessarily like professional designers. Let's say that, you know, you run a blog and you make $2 off this blog a month. Like that's a commercial product that you have. You need to license a font commercially. But then also talking about, let's say you download a font for personal use, use it on a birthday card for your friend. Your friend says it's the best thing that ever existed. And so you decide to sell on Etsy. That's a case where you need to switch from a personal to a commercial license. So there's definitely some good advice on here. Which that's good because the first article that we referenced didn't really touch on personal versus commercial that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I do think that's a thing where a lot of people get tripped up, especially non-designers. 
Uh, yeah. If, if you found the league because you needed to make a menu for your restaurant and are interested in fonts, that's the thing that doesn't get talked about enough. Like, what's the difference between personal and commercial? Yeah, and so this is like pretty, you know, accessible, digestible. Talks about where to find affordable fonts as well. So, good stuff for the people. Our last article, I'm very excited about. It ties in basically it. to the nerd alert we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so our last article is this awesome uh, link I found that is actually from a font license consulting group called Yeah, Fontview. I was so shocked when you sent this to me. I was like, that's a thing? I did. They must be the only ones. I did not think it was a <laughs> thing either. And I think the people that run it are like ex-agency guys. Anyways, it's an awesome link about all the recent lawsuits that have been filed or going to be filed against all these big companies that were using fonts illegally so you know what that means we're gonna start our bum 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 nerd alert our you know the 100 million times you've said our sound is coming i knew you were about to say our sound is coming (laughs) you knew it it's happening it's on its way Uh it'll happen this fall coming to a podcast near you okay guys so i think like everyone's like okay but like what if i don't license my font it's not that big of a deal right like no one actually gets caught with that before expanding on that further what you mean by licensing the font means like purchasing the correct license for it right like rather than saying oh i have a copy of this font so i'm going to use it a lot of times that means oh it's in my font book on my computer so i'll throw it on the website and use it or you know my friend gave me this font no one's gonna know right so i'll just I'll just use it. Exactly. What I have to talk about today has a little bit more to do with the larger scope of what happens because, yes, I want to bring all the shocking, glamorous, gossipy stories, Hollywood Reporter typeface edition to you. (laughs) But I also want to state that in my research, when foundries find their fonts being used illegally or incorrectly or without the right license, a lot of the times, if it's a serious thing, they will reach out to the company first and say, hey, I see you're using my our font incorrectly. You didn't buy the right license. Could you please purchase the right license? And I think when they do get publicity is when the company or client doesn't respond or says, no, we're not going to do that or says, no, we're not going to pay that. And that's, I think, when lawyers get brought in. Specifically, Frank Martinez is a Brooklyn lawyer who is really famous for uh, having a legal practice based around font licensing. Fun fact. Fun fact. So I I do want to caveat that with this. Yes, we all have the best intentions. And yes, it can be a messy thing. I think a lot of these major cases is with larger companies, but the larger company starts with a person at the same time. Like Mm. if you're working for a big media company and you just download a font willy nilly, you got to take precautions. And I think a lot of designers do work at places that are bigger than just themselves or a smaller boutique and it can have consequences. If anything, that's probably extremely easy when you're working at a big company like NBC Universal, where there's probably, you know, a hundred designers or more and a thousand projects going on and someone says hey we need this by yesterday it's probably that much easier at a big company to think i'm just part of the machine here so i'll do what i need to do to get it done it's probably way easier for freelancers to be like shoot if this blows up it's on me Mm -hmm. and that's probably why we see that at such big companies 
frequently. I totally agree. I mean, one thing that was one of the first things I wrote down in my notes was that fonts are actually really difficult to organize at larger companies because mm. there's an assortment of font options. There's the web font license. There's the desktop font license. There's designers working across multiple brands, campaigns. Uh, let's say you have freelancers coming in and out of there. Like you can't keep track of the headcount as easily. So yeah, I think that's why we see these larger companies getting into the trouble the most. And for some anecdotes, I've got some fun ones for you. First off, I'll say NBC Universal. Gosh, gosh. They, they can't three... keep their stuff together, it seems. No, no. They got in like three lawsuits between like 2008 and 2013 or something. That's interesting, actually, because they we once were contracted by NBC Universal to basically make a custom version of Ostrich Sands that they used for their branding. Mm-hmm. And I have a pretty strong feeling that they were like secretly in the middle of a lawsuit or just finished with a lawsuit. And they were like, you know, what's easier hiring someone to make an open source font. I think that's probably what year was it? You know, uh, I, it was definitely around there. I don't remember exactly off the top of my okay. head. So it was also like separate foundries they got in trouble with, which is like <laughs> wild. So I think in the latest lawsuit in 2012, it was with House Industries, who like has a different name for their legal purposes. It was called like Brand Design Company Inc. Or like something very strange and generic. But in, hmm. someone must have found out it was actually House Industries. And it was Chalet, which is a House Industries typeface. And NBC was using it for Oxygen Media. And apparently... What they found out is that NBC used a free font software conversion by Font Squirrel to convert and alter the font into a format suitable for websites. So basically, they converted the desktop font to a website font illegally and then used it on their website, which led to approximately 20,000 unauthorized and infringing downloads of House Industries copyrighted chalet font software. How many times have people out there done that? I know. I can like totally imagine that happening. Like someone's like, it's a rush deadline. We got to get the website out tomorrow. Just convert it. And Mm -hmm. some designer had to figure it out on the fly. And all of a sudden, House Industries is asking for $3.5 million. This calculation was based on multiplying $20,000 by the $175 cost of purchasing the correct software for 175 dollars they could have saved 3.5 million dollars i think okay also i do want to say that a lot of these costs that you know the lawsuits are like i want 3.5 typically it does get settled it does get settled for something less than that and sometimes they're not brought to court mm. they're actually settled beforehand so i don't know like i can't tell you if 3.5 million dollars was sure. handed over but i'm sure a large chunk of change was much more than 175 dollars <laughs> right so like that's one point where they had a license. NBC probably thought their butt was covered and then it was the incorrect license. I feel the need to point out too that NBC Universal is kind of an umbrella corporation. Mm, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a few different um, instances here. So there was other P22 type foundry versus NBC Universal. For Harry um, Potter. For Harry Potter. Who even knew? $1.5 million. <laughs> That's what they wanted. Plus destruction of all relevant merchandise. That's so sad. Yeah. It said some of the manufacturers did not even purchase a basic license or any additional licensing required to create and sell commercial products. And then the final one was with Font Bureau, um, 2009. And that was because they were using a Font Bureau font on, you know, 
show promos, TV, the web, and the fonts were only licensed for one single workstation. You've got to be kidding me. How do you think people aren't going to find that out? But that's the thing, right? We all understand the thought of like, no one's going to find out. We'll just do yeah. it. I don't know about you, but in college, we got away with so much stuff. So much. So much. And you're legally even allowed to get away with a little in college under fair yeah. use law and whatever. And so you just kind of get in this mindset of it'll be fine, you know? Yeah, well, in my last company full-time, I used whatever was on the server. But, like, did I know any of those end-user license agreements? Absolutely not. But exactly. I get to say, I put a firm foot down that I would not used a font, and I used to ask that we put it in the client bill if they want to license new fonts. And oh, that's we, good. we did download some house industry fonts that we paid for. So I'm very proud of that moment. That is good. That's, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, that was probably a difficult thing to demand, right? So yeah, I think it wasn't like crazy costly. It was probably hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of client money that was happening. Another case was actually though with Target when I was working at a different company. Target has their fitness brand all in motion and that uses a different font. And so I, even at that company, I said, hey, if you want to use this on the website, you're going to have to buy me the correct license. And the project manager was like, yeah, of course, no problem. So I think some people understand it a little bit more than others, but I think it's important to like tell the world that it's the right way to be using stuff. Yeah, it's just so easy to accidentally do it wrong. If you hadn't known to say something and the manager didn't understand why that was important, there's already two giant pieces of the machine that could have gotten broken there. Yeah. So, you know, I had the desktop license to this. So hypothetically, I could have went to Fox Squirrel, converted it to my correct thing without telling anyone and just went on my day. But like that, you shouldn't even consider that if you know it's a big client like Target, who actually did get into some sort of issue with Berthold on Axon's Grotesque, which I didn't read too much into that suit. But that was in 2017, which is weird because they use Helvetica and they have their own Helvetica. So I wasn't sure what that was about. But that's probably exactly the kind of easy mistake that we all make. Like, let's mm -hmm. say it was, I mean, definitely speculation, but let's say it was some freelancer who was brought on to do something real quick. Mm -hmm. They were trying to get them to send the Target Helvetica and like nobody was responding quick enough. And so That's they were like, true. I have Helvetica, I'll just use that. That's true. It's these seemingly innocuous decisions that can eventually cause a big problem. You're so right. And I think the last two examples I really wanted to talk about are a more nuanced example of this. They didn't really have to do with the regular licenses. They had to do even other kind of license. So the first one is Font Diner versus Mixpanel. So mm, I, I think Mixpanel, yeah, they used Font Diner's font coffee service, if anyone knows it, and embedded it into a Tumblr theme which made it available to everyone that was using Tumblr, which is basically allowing anyone that used the template to have a dynamic version of coffee service at their fingertips. And that was not permitted in the license because that is an extra level of vulnerability that the foundry is offering with their font. It would make sense the client would have had to pay more to get a different license or to have it cleared it in some other way. Which, shoot. So the design company that I used to have, which is actually where mm -hmm. the lead came from, a good company, a bunch of our clients, we made Tumblr themes for them. Mm, that was really? a very normal thing for us to make money on making a Tumblr theme. And huh. thankfully, we had started the leagues. So we were like, well, let's use league fonts. But 
it was so easy to just throw a font in there and be like, we want it to look good and we want our client to be happy. So like, it's fine. It's Tumblr, you know? Right. Right. And that they were seeking $2 million for that settled out of court. The last one, another similar situation was Font Diner versus Cafe Press, aka invitationbox.com. And the complaint was that they didn't even they didn't have the purchase of either a basic license or a special license, but they used unlicensed third parties. Are you reading this? They used some tool that would help them typeset the words like a web app to Got typeset it. the words. So they want to make a custom invitation in this like super curly fancy font, but they also just didn't have the right license for that. And be allowing end users to be typing in this font also makes it more vulnerable, correct? Right. So if you don't know Cafe Press, it's almost like Canva now, where you can go on the internet here and pick the font that you want and oh. write out whatever you want and make a t-shirt out of it and then sell it or like a mug or a mouse pad or whatever. Yeah, those existed back then. <laughs> mouse <That's> pads. <laughs> and so it was it was honestly at the time very complicated to have software that would let you write custom words on the web. Yeah. That makes sense. And so they they probably built this complicated tool that ran on a server. You would type in the words. It would go to a server, make an image out of it, and send it back. That's probably how that worked. And mm -hmm. running it on a server for any client that wants to use it is a totally yeah. different license. Like, you yeah. can't expect that to be the exact same thing as, oh, I paid 50 bucks for this font and can use it in Photoshop, you know? Yeah. And I think that is like a more nuanced case where like, it's not just a matter of not looking into the basic license. There's like a special license and you have to understand how vulnerable that is making the specific software by, you know, allowing other people just type whatever they want in the, in that typeface. So I don't know. I think it's, I didn't realize that those were cases that actually have gone to lawyers. Yeah, this is cool that you found so many. I mean, not cool, it sucks, but <laughs> useful to know that Fabulous. there were so many because like, I, you know, everybody has heard about the giant Font Bureau versus NBC one that was like $2 million. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big deal. There was one with SNL, I think. Yeah, I think there was. So like there's a couple that everybody's heard about, but they're always these giant companies and they always yeah. seem like, oh, you know, well... That wouldn't affect me, but you can easily picture yourself being a freelancer or a designer on a team of designers and having to get pressured to make some decision or, you know, just thinking it wouldn't be a big deal, you know, yeah. innocently, like not on purpose. And then yeah. suddenly it's a huge deal later on. And there are, there are a bunch of other ones that just aren't brought to the light of internet publicity because, you know, I even remember at Penguin Random House, we had a design meeting one day and someone was saying, guys, we did not, so I don't know who did it. Someone did not license this font correctly, even though we had a whole department and they used it for Cartoon Network books and we're getting in mm. big trouble from a foundry because Cartoon Network's really high profile. Mm. So, you know it happens and you just you don't want to be the person that makes the mistake yeah and so even though that's a that's a scary thought and these are all horror stories the point is the articles that we're trying to share obviously the book and like all these things that we're talking about 
are to help you have an idea that this is, and some of the nuance around it so that next time it's tempting or you feel like you have to cut a tiny little corner for your client or something like that, you've got a little ammunition in your brain to be like, you know what, actually we can't. Here's why, let me explain it to you. This is what we should do and this is the right way to do it and feel better about standing up for that instance. Exactly. I think that's like a great way to end this episode. I had so much fun, Micah. You're the had, best, Olivia. Oh, I appreciate you. You don't even know. It was, it was a fun one. I have to say that at the very least. I'll be tuning into Type Weekend for the rest of the weekend. I'll probably be sharing some highlights next week. And I hope everyone else gets to see just a little bit of it, at least at some point this weekend. Yeah. Have fun. Share Type News and say hi in the chat room. Yep. Bye. <laughs>